Too many companies are staring at their voltmeter, at their gas gauge. Those side metrics that can help tell us there's a potential problem, but by no means will they tell us, are we going the right direction? Welcome to The Last, Lean Agile Strategies and Tactics podcast. Lean Agile Strategies and Tactics for your personal, professional, and corporate growth in today's constantly changing and challenging business environments. So Dwayne, 2023 is, by all accounts, looking to be a incredibly exciting year. Uh, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of dynamic uh, things in the mix. Um, and as an organization, as a company, as as you're as we're trying to plan out what our 2023 is going to look like, um, lean portfolio management is one of the tools that's discussed and talked about in SAFE as being sort of a best practice going forward. But what is it about this approach that potentially sets us up for or sets it up as being the best approach for dealing with that uncertainty in those dynamic environments that we're expecting in 2023. Yeah, and that's the more um, challenging the financial forecast, the more important lean portfolio management and taking a different approach becomes. Um, companies that have been successful in the past where it's been maybe a stronger economy a that allows, let's be honest, stronger economies tend to allow for masking more mistakes. You know, if we went the wrong direction, that's okay. Revenue is still great. You know, we can cover that. No problem. <clears throat> in a leaner economy, pun intended, we have to be efficient. We have to be effective. And that's where I always tell people when I talk about lean portfolio management, you already have a portfolio. You already manage it. You're not in business if you're not managing your portfolio of products, of clients, and so forth. Leaning that out, though, is so vital um, to make for the efficiency, yes, to make it more cost effective, yes, but to make it more targeted is even more important because that's one of the advantages. Lean portfolio is not about cost savings, although it will generate cost savings. To deliver the same outcomes, it will deliver cost savings. But it's not about that. It's about being more effective in the marketplace. So the, the faster an economy moves, and it, it tends to move fairly quickly in a slow or a, a down economy because people are scrambling to figure out, oh, boy, we have to try this, we have to try that, we have to try something different. So as you said, it's an exciting year coming up, even though it may not be the one we want to live through. But it's an opportunity to take advantage of the constraints that other companies might be under because they're not able to lean out their lean portfolio approach. Uh, one of my, I like to refer back to a movie, Michael J. Fox, I think it was called The Secret of My Success, where he's a uh, just out of school, and out of MBA school, and he's working in the mailroom and all of that. But anyways, he gets involved in a discussion and the company is facing a down economy. And most of the people in the leadership group are advocating for cutting costs, cutting corners, all of those things. And he says, that's the last thing you want to do. You want to take advantage of this. You want to expand. Use this as a time to improve. And I've told a lot of our clients that are saying, you know, we need to slow down on our process improvement because the economy is slowing down. 
really? <laughs> if you have left to work with, don't you have to be more efficient with what you have to work with? If there are fewer opportunities, don't you have to be better at acquiring those and being first in line for those? That's where LPM comes in because Typical traditional portfolios tend to have, let's be honest, they have a lot of bloat. They have a lot of pet projects. They have a lot of uh, wasteful processes of how we determine what we're going to work on, the budgeting itself, all those things. There's just a lot of waste generated. And that's why when we apply a lean, lean isn't about, it's, I like to say it's not stopwatch lean. This is about efficiency lean. This is about improving the efficiency of our conversations of our discovery with our clients. Yes, improving the efficiency of delivery, absolutely. But the LPM, the, the portfolio group itself, the people that are helping to establish the direction we want to go, they become more efficient and effective. So they can move faster and they become more accurate as well. So there's a number of advantages to LPM. And honestly, the more the economy is struggling, the more you need to focus on it. So when when I think so, you know, looking at 2023 with all the the clouds of danger that are coming, um, massive recessions and downturns in the economy and so on, in that environment and and the fear that comes with that, the sort of anxiety, anticipation of bad consequences, um, the traditional response would be to look at something like a, uh, an ROI assessment about okay, if I'm going to invest my now much more scarce resources, money, time, people into this project or this uh, product, what's the ROI on that? How am I going to get the best return on my investment? And that's, that, that's very much our traditional business model of assessing value on various kinds of work. But in lean portfolio management with its lean agile estimating, it's, uh, you know, the business case analysis that they have there and, um, and the MV, the continual development of MVPs, how is the, the methodology and the approach that exists within lean portfolio management from the safe perspective, how does that outperform the more conventional, traditional business modeling and ROI analysis that is at the moment currently the, the dominant pervasive yeah. uh, mindset that might be approaching a risky year like 2023? So here's the reality. A lot of companies think switching, pivoting to a different way of measuring value outcome is harder. It's actually easier. The switching is the hard part. The way you measure it is much easier. And here's where I think the challenge comes in. When you talk about typical measurements like earned value, uh, return on investment, net present value, things like that, they turn into calculations. They're spreadsheet driven typically. And when you pull up those spreadsheets, I can, I'll be honest, I can sit in my chair. There's a, there's a factor of, I don't want to say laziness. Maybe it's fear of the unknown, whatever it might be, but I can sit in my chair, work my mouse, look at the spreadsheets and feel confident we're going the right direction. Hmm. And a year later, I realized, well, we went the wrong direction, but we never use that empirical data to correct the approach. Well, we just have to do it better next time. We have to improve our ability of calculating earned value. We have to get better at our ROI. Um, one of my favorite books, a book by Mark Schwartz, The Art of Business Value. And in the book, Mark 
goes chapter by chapter and he addresses the different ways that we've traditionally measured value, ROI, net present value, earned value, all those different things. And what I like about the book, he doesn't tell you it's wrong, stop doing it. He just talks about the weaknesses, the issues, the concerns with each one. And at the very end of the book, it's not that he gives you this magical, hey, you should have jumped forward, you could have got the secret right away type of thing of how to define value. He says, you have to discover it for yourself. And that's where the keyword comes in, discovery. I have to get up out of my chair, get away from the spreadsheets, and I have to go talk to customers, internal, external. I have to talk to team members about delivery mechanisms and things like that. I have to talk to shareholders, stakeholders, people like that. Um, that's how I'm going to find out, are we going the right direction? Now, those other values, honestly, they can be used as, you know, KPI type measurements and so forth. They add value. But you've heard me talk about it. I like to equate it to the, the gauges in your car. Um, is you're driving your car down, let's say it's an ICE internal combustion engine, and you have typical gauges like battery voltmeter, you've got the fuel gauge, you've got maybe the tire pressure gauge and so on, oil pressure and things like that. Those are measurements that are critical, but if everything's running smoothly, you're not paying a whole lot of attention to those. What is it you're really looking at for a measurement? Speedometer. Because you're going to adjust the most based on that. You're going to adjust your speed for different, like you're in a school zone, construction zone, uh, icy conditions, whatever it might be. It's that speedometer you're going to use the most. That and obviously looking out and, and looking to where you're going. Too many companies are staring at their voltmeter, at their gas gauge. Those side metrics that can help tell us there's a potential problem, but by no means will they tell us, are we going the right direction? And that's the key is getting the, getting our eyes up, getting our metrics going. Um, I talked to, as we've talked before, I uh, road race motorcycles and I coach road racers, up and coming racers that want to get really fast on the track and start racing. And they're always focused on lap times and things like that. And I said, no, here's what you need to focus. Get good at the little things, get good at your vision. And the thing we always talk about is your vision, your eyes, get your eyes up. A student will be struggling and say, man, I need to knock off three tenths in this corner. Get your eyes up. Well, isn't it about that? No, it's get your eyes up, get your vision moving. So you see where you're trying to go and you can make those adjustments based on a lot more fresher data. And that's what companies need to do too, from an LPM perspective, get their eyes up. Same thing. It's funny. You, you reminded me of something uh, from my Navy days. So when you're on the bridge of a warship, and you're sailing around the world. Uh, and typically here on the West Coast of North America, we have some of the best navigation, challenging navigation in the world. And um, one thing that a lot of newer junior officers will do is they will get their head into the radar, meaning that they will look at the data, those numbers, uh, and you know what the computer is telling them about what's happening around them. There's a radar contact here, it's going this speed, it's doing this, 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 this. And that's all great information. But as you said, eyes up, look out. You will always hear, and was best practice when I was in uniform, look out the bleeping window. 
because when you look at the window, you can see in real time what's happening. You can tell before the radar does or before any of your sensors tell you because they're always delayed by some degree. There's a lag time there. You will always be able to see in real time whether the current is pushing you in a certain direction, uh, whether uh, something like a ship or something has changed course and speed and it starts drifting to the right or to the left and, and starts tracking to port or starboard. And by looking at the window using your sort of analog-based tools like a Polaris and your eyeball and be able to assess things in that very quick feedback real-time scenario, you're able to better respond, more accurately determine, and um, derive better results instead of sticking your head in the radar. And don't get me wrong, especially in, in the maritime world, when the, you're all fogged in and you don't have that tool available to you, you have to revert back to things like radar. But when it's available to you, you look out the window. And in the context of uh, lean uh, portfolio management, this is what it makes me think of. The tools and the flexibility and the agility that comes with this tool set is like your eyes looking out the window. Yes, you can be like that finance, that VP of finance or chief uh, financial officer who's sitting there guiding the ship by radar or guiding the company by spreadsheet. The problem is that data is time delayed and you're not able to see in real time the opportunities and more importantly, the risks that will potentially cripple you, negatively impact your company, or have you land up on the rocks, um, and and you, you're you only able to take advantage of the opportunities and avoid those catastrophic critical risks by being sort of boots on the ground, looking at the window, and being able to have that flexibility and that agility to be able to pivot and move to the best solution that's providing you the best results. And the thing that I think of in traditional project management that sort of encapsulates this is working on a project, as you mentioned before about, I have a statement of requirements, uh, a spec sheet that tells me what I need to deliver. And that's what I'm focused on. Not whether that spec sheet meets the needs of my customer in the changing dynamic environment that I'm in, but just that I have to deliver that spec sheet. I am sinking my costs, my energy, my resources into delivering that widget. And when that widget is done and I deliver to my customer, my customer isn't interested in that widget anymore because the environment around me has shifted while my head was down in that work. Mm -hmm. And that's the big problem I think companies face is they've lost sight of the fact data is not a replacement for observation. It is complementary to observation. It is not a replacement. There are a few people, very few people in the world that can look at data and see the patterns, almost see the music in the data, if you will. Mm. But for the vast majority of us, we have to look out. Most commercial airlines are run by electronics. Those planes are heavily run and maintained and flown through electronics but they still have a window in the cockpit and they will always have a window in the cockpit because the obs the observability, the ability to look out and see what's going on. And in many cases, it's a relation. We have to combine data with observation and we look at the data 
We have to be careful we don't already influence what we're going to see and we observe and we combine the two to determine pivots, adjustments, corrections, push the pedal down faster, whatever it might be. All of those corrections have to be there. Um, in a race, if I'm running personal best lap times, but I know that I'm burning up my rear tire, the lap times aren't going to help me. I won't be able to finish the race, especially if it's an endurance race. I'm taking the last stint in a five-hour endurance race and our tire is pretty much shagged. <laughs> Great. I'm running, you know, PB lap times. I'm not going to finish the race. We're going to end up greasing that tire and probably crashing. Mm -hmm. So you have to combine both data and observation. And the key is don't let data influence observation. See it with a fresh perspective and combine the two. The... Um... The, the use of MVPs as a way to get feedback from customers or the business environment that you're in strikes me as a key strength in lean portfolio management or just the agile approach, the iteration, experimentation, demonstration, demo, and then getting the feedback on that and quickly adjusting, pivoting, or doubling down on what works. It strikes me as, as, the, as the approach that is the sort of the secret to success in what we're talking about versus that ROI approach, which is, or the more traditional approaches, which is planning to deliver something specific and not allowing a process of feedback to influence or allow you to adjust your approach as you're getting closer to delivering that thing, whatever that thing is. Yeah. And that's where, when we bring into the safe LPM, in SAFE, we talk about at the, uh, the portfolio level epics, which are not like really big stories like some tools and things we'll talk about. It's a major initiative, million dollars plus easily. The first thing we want to do for an epic, once we've discovered, yes, we want to move forward. And, and what I always tell people is when you're committing to an epic, we have a go, no, go decision. It's not a go finish it. It's a go get started, go learn, go discover the first thing we do from that is do a feature to a couple of features and the core purpose of those features is to validate or invalidate that hypothesis mm. is it the right approach and so we go into it with a pure understanding of we're okay if this epic is disproved in fact we might even be happy because what if we had gone down that path and weren't able to disprove it early and learned, it wasn't the right thing. It's not what the customers wanted. It's not the right solution, not even the right problem to solve. MVPs serve an critical, a critical component. It's not to prove that we're right. It's to give us data to let us assess whether or not we are right. Very, it's, it's nobody's baby type of thing where we can just look at it with an honest, open perspective. And we talk about leading indicators, having what we call innovation accounting we have these early leading indicators and those MVPs are trying to tell us, is the data there? Is the data telling us you're going the right direction? And when I say data, again, this is a combination of numbers and observation, but is that information coming back telling us, yeah, that's valid. Mm -hmm. I like to encourage portfolio groups when MVP features are in flight, I want them to have the attitude, it's probably going to be disproved is probably going to show us it's the wrong approach and be good with that, be comfortable with that. 
because then it's really easy to pivot to, wow, it is the right approach. We did get the hypothesis right. Let's keep going. It's a lot harder if we've already committed to it and said, okay, we're full steam ahead. That's all we're going to do. Blinders on. It's a lot harder to pivot when we have that, that we already have the right approach attitude. Thank you.